pilgrims. It's time for your favorite world-traveling, Bible-toting, soul-winning, Satan-hating, tried, tested, and triumphant host, Pastor A.J. Harold. Just a quick reminder to not be weary in well-doing, for as peculiar pilgrims, we're just watching, waiting, and working. Buckle up, and let's ride. I'm not much for video games these days. I'm not totally against them, but I'm in a season of life where I choose to steward my time in a different way. But this summer, I did play a game called Among Us with my children a few times for like a few days while we were traveling. If you're not familiar with the game, it's a game of a group of people who have been given tasks to complete during the game. But there's a number of imposters who attack each person one at a time and they try to do it in a strategic and uh, sneaky way. It's really a game of strategy and everyone looks alike. They all look like they're on the same team and on the same page trying to accomplish the same mission, but there are enemies among us. And so these enemies that are among us will deceive and do whatever they can do to win. I mean, they lie, they they mislead, all kind of things just to prove that they are not the enemy. Now, I'll address this toward the end of this episode, and there is a reason that I'm bringing this up. Psalm chapter 90 verse 10 says this, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. I am in my mid-forties. I've seen a lot in my lifetime. America has 50 states, and I've been in over 40 of them at one time or another during my life. I've also been to several different countries, and I'm still trucking on for the Lord. You'll remember last episode, 234,567.8 miles in counting. If my life continues to uh, end up when I'm, let's say, 70 years old, let's say it just continues from now until I'm 70 and that's when I die, that would mean that my life is already half spent. I'm on the downward side of my journey on this pilgrimage. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Pilgrims, I truly want my life to count for Jesus before I fly away. Whether it's 45, 55, 65, 75, or even 85 and beyond. Since July, my life has been truly impacted for the Lord in some seriously major ways. See, back in July of this year, I went to summer Bible camp and the word of God was magnified to the place where it was clear to me, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. 
July for me was a very emotional one as I reviewed many great memories of my dear friend, Pastor Barry Quinn. And for you faithful pilgrims, Pastor Quinn, he's the man who's in heaven now, but owned that ugly old orange couch. Every year at camp, Pastor Quinn and I would enjoy some truly sweet fellowship. No matter what the topic was that we were discussing, he would always bring it back to the teens in his church and how he just wanted to see them surrender to the Lord. I'm serious. I mean, no matter what the topic was, somehow at camp, we would end up talking about the teens and how he desperately wanted them to just surrender their life to the Lord. Pastor Quinn was a seasoned preacher. And I was a younger preacher. I had little to nothing really to offer him, yet he poured his life into me, truly making a monumental impact on my life. From time to time, I go back in my mind's eye and I rehearse our conversations. That man was a no-nonsense man who loved Jesus and wanted what was best for people. He was a true soldier of Jesus Christ, and he was all in, yet now he's gone. Again, the verse says, the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. He's home now. But his investment in my life is still producing fruit that will remain on his account, no doubt. I'll not soon forget our conversations at camp through the years or on that old, ugly, orange couch. But something hit me hard this week. I'd like to journey with you in this episode through a small portion, a very small portion of a letter from one seasoned preacher who was getting close to flying away. And this letter was to a younger preacher who was just beginning his pastoral journey. The book or the letter is 2 Timothy chapter 2. Specifically, we're going to look at a few verses in 2 Timothy chapter 2, as I really want to emphasize just one main point, but we're going to get there here in a moment. So saddle up, And let's ride. For a little context, let's first look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, again, this is Paul, a seasoned preacher, investing in, pouring into Timothy, a much younger preacher who's just starting his pastoral ministry. Paul says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Immediately, we're reminded that we cannot sustain ourselves on our own throughout our pilgrimage. We'll need the sustaining grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My life verse is 2 Timothy 2.2, and most of you probably already know that. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, 
and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful man who shall be able to teach others also. My family and I just spent the last two days at the Lighthouse Baptist Church in Santa Maria with those awesome people, those awesome servants of the Lord. Santa Maria is in California, if you didn't know that, and the Lighthouse Baptist Church is pastored by Pastor Jerry Scheidbach. Pastor Scheidbach, he held a conference called Bridging the Gap, and our family had the privilege of singing, and I also had the privilege of preaching to the, to the children, while in the main auditorium, two men of God, Pastor Scheibach and another man, taught us about the current events, past issues, and the biblical truths regarding the King James Bible. I'm very thankful for seasoned men of God and their investment in my life, but I have to take the advice that Paul gave to Timothy and commit the same biblical things that I've been taught to other faithful men who in turn will teach others also. Paul then says in verse number three of 2 Timothy 2, he says this, Paul says to Timothy, you're going to need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, imagine being Timothy and reading that verse from the Apostle Paul. I mean, it's not like Paul didn't know what enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ was all about. It's not like he didn't understand what he was saying, yet he still encouraged Timothy to do the same. I think this is a good spot to bring up my point of emphasis on this week's podcast. I shared before how in all of my travels that I lived in the country of England, and I've even shared with you about the time and uh, that my family went to the Buckingham Palace several years ago. One of my favorite memories from that tour of the Buckingham Palace was this room, this massive room that hosted and held fine china from wall to wall. It was absolutely amazing. It was breathtaking. It was absolutely priceless. These vessels were second to none. Some of these vessels were decorated with actual gold, and some were only used one time for one special event many centuries ago. Each set of the fine china had its own history and its own display case. Well, let me tell you, we'll get to this point soon. But Paul tells Timothy to use his vessel in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 4 says, No man that warreth entangleth himself, or himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a, a soldier. Pilgrims, we as believers, listen now, as believers, I want to remind you that God loves you, God wants to use you, and God has a specific plan for your life. You indeed are a chosen vessel, chosen by God to be a soldier. How seriously do you take that responsibility? As someone who gets to travel and preach here and there, I truly have one main desire, and that desire is this 
that each and every believer that I get to preach to will surrender all and get all in for the Lord from that day forward. Why not? Why expect anything less? I'll never soon forget the very first time I preached in my church. Now, this wasn't the first time I ever preached. I preached at the mission. I preached at a nursing home. But this particular time was the first time that I preached in my church. It was actually a school event. I attended an open enrollment Christian school, meaning that most of the students that went to our Christian school had parents who were saved and they were actually a part of the church. They went to church as a family unit and they would attend week by week. But there were some students whose parents were not believers. These parents just wanted their children to be in a private school and not be in the government schools. And that's not a bad idea at all. Anyway, we had a school program where all the students were involved one way or another and their parents were going to attend to support their children. Now, the school wasn't very large. I mean, the graduating class, I'm talking about the seniors, would have anywhere from, I mean, I graduated with six. They could be up to 13, maybe 20, but really small classes. So the entire school wasn't that large. And this particular day, we were going to perform our program from kindergarten all the way up to the seniors. Well, at the end of the program, I was given the opportunity to preach a short message to all who would attend. I'll never forget the text that I used. What I used was Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. The Word of God says this in those verses, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Before I preached, I was upstairs. Listen, I was a mess. I'm not trying to be gross, but I was upstairs in the church and I was throwing up in the restroom. I was so nervous yet so burdened. I remember praying with a friend and I remember really believing that if the audience, the parents that were there for that school function, if the audience just simply believed, we would see a revival in our church, a revival in our school, and maybe even this revival would spread across America. Now, I'm serious. I didn't believe that because of me. I hadn't even preached probably not even 10 times in my life yet. But rather, I believe that because I knew then that I was going to preach the living word of God. As a young high school kid, I believed that God could use me to spark a nationwide revival. Why not? Why not? I preached that text with all my might. I begged those parents to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Even now, and as I sit here typing this, I, I, I think to myself, what might have been? How many parents have heard that message that day? I mean, they heard the message clearly, 
They felt the Holy Ghost conviction that only the Holy Ghost can do through his word, through the foolishness of preaching. And yet, even though they heard the message from the word of God, they felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost. They still walked away unwilling to accept salvation or as believers, they were unwilling to accept the surrender that God was calling them to. Only later, possibly, just to give you an example, and this did happen, only later to see some get divorced. I'm talking within 12 months from that sermon. I'm serious. I mean, to be honest, I've not really changed from that day. I still believe that the King James Bible is so powerful that if I'll just pray, if I'll just study, if I'll just preach it with clarity and with boldness, well, the possibilities are endless. Why not? Paul told Timothy, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. How many parents were hit with a crossroad that day? A decision to get saved or, or as a believer to surrender to the perfect will of God, but they walked away unwilling to surrender. Where are their children today? Are they walking with the Lord almost 30 years later? I was talking to my bride earlier this week, and I said how sad it is to see adults walk away from truth, to see marriages split up and they walk away from life, to see young people look at their moms and dad and, and the entire family walk away from the way, the way, to go their own way. And just think, maybe their kids are saved. When they all walked away, maybe the whole family saved. But with that poor example, will their grandchildren get saved? Will their great-grandchildren get saved? I, I, I'm serious here. The decisions that I make impact not just the next generation, but many generations to come. Here's my main text for this week's episode. And it's still found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, but let's drop down all the way from verse 4, <clears throat> where we left off. Let's drop down to verse 20. The Word of God says this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Friends, may I take some liberty, <clears throat> excuse me, may I take some liberty with this text and apply this verse this way just for some reflection <clears throat> and just for some application. The verse begins with this, but in a great house. May I say that one of the greatest houses ever is the house of God. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 says this. Uh, now, now listen, let's hear what Jesus thinks about the house of God, his church. Matthew 16, 18 says, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus loved his church that he started, he loved his church so much that he promised to build it. 
Acts chapter 2, we find the Lord adding to his church uh, over 3,000 souls. I mean, these guys, they were saved, they were baptized, and they were added to the church already in Acts chapter 2. When we see later in Acts chapter 2, specifically verse 47, that the Lord's still adding to his church. I mean, even after 3,000 souls were saved, baptized, and added to the church, we still see the Lord adding more to his church in Acts 2.47. The Bible says that these folks that were saved, baptized, and added to the church, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. Now listen to this. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You would think 3,000 souls saved, baptized, and added to the church. Well, that's enough. No, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm not a Calvinist at all. I believe everybody can get saved. I believe that Jesus died for everybody. We just have to go. The first two letters of the word gospel is G-O. Go, gospel, go tell somebody. And even though... 3,000 souls were saved, baptized, and added to the church. Jesus still was building his church, and he was adding daily such as should be saved. Jesus owns the church and purchased it with his own blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church is truly a great house. But what I learned this week is this. Even in the house of God, there are two kinds of vessels, some to honor and some to dishonor. Meaning there are people, vessels in the house of God that are dishonorable vessels. Pilgrims, not everyone who is in the great house, the the house of God, is good for you. Don't let your guard down. Acts chapter 20 verse 29 says this, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Did you catch that? Yes, wolves. And yes, not sparing the flock. But did you catch these words? Among you. Let me read it again. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. When I was a student in grade school and even in high school, I used to wonder in history class who would be the country that would eventually destroy America. I mean, America was a powerhouse in the world when I was in elementary and and even in high school. and, And I thought, how will she fall? As an adult, I joined the military and I still would wonder from time to time, who can even come close to America's power? Now, as a middle aged adult with possibly half of my life well spent, I think I see the tactic. In my opinion, America will be destroyed from within. The enemy, listen now, the enemy is among us. Treason will be our fall. Treason is a big deal. Again, I used to live in England. 
And in Great Britain, treason is defined this way. It, it is basically two kinds. There's high treason and petite treason. High treason is a crime that immediately affects the king or the state. Petite treason involves a breach of fidelity, but affects individuals. So it's a little bit lesser, but listen to this. No matter if it's high treason or petite treason, someone is going to get hurt. The entire state, or in our instance, country, or on a smaller scale, certain individuals would be impacted in a very negative way, simply because of treason. I believe I'm watching the demise of America, which started in the great house called the White House. But worse than that, another great house, and yea, a greater house, the house of God, is also falling apart. The problem is truly among us. I want to end this episode by encouraging you to follow the advice that is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, which says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Be mindful of your friends. Even in a great house, be mindful of your time. Be a good steward. Hobbies are good and they're fine in their place, but I want to encourage you to walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly means cautiously, with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. Be cautious. Watch who you trust and confide in. Watch who pours into your life and the lives of your family. Pastor Quinn poured into my life and I can look at where I am today and see the biblical impact that he had on me. Yet at the same time, not every believer is good for me. Not every believer is good for you. Sadly, there was a time in my life that as a believer, I was not a good influence for other believers either. I was a vessel of dishonor for sure. I was the imposter. Even though I was among them, they would consider me among us, but I was a phony. I was a vessel of dishonor. College students, Bible college doesn't negate this principle either. There are vessels of honor and dishonor there too. Pilgrims, Guard against surprise or danger by walking circumspectly and never let up. Thank you for listening. And I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends and family. We would not exist if it were not for pilgrims just like you. If you'd like to donate to help us with the cost of these productions, use Cash App at Peculiar Pilgrims and you won't regret it. Also, you can email us anytime with your compliments, complaints, critiques, and even criticism at peculiarpilgrimspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, fellow pilgrims, never let up.